and, and then frankly, this premise that uh, that they claimed, and, and frankly, many other papers claimed that this phenomenon seemed to be happening only among white Americans and was not affecting people of color was uh, peculiar, not only because I spent my career documenting health disparities in populations of color, but also because if the underlying cause is despair, this relatively privileged population should be less impacted than historically marginalized populations that have been dealing with reasons for despair for, in some cases, centuries. That was Stephen Wolf, our guest this week, talking about the public health crisis we are facing in the U.S. of decreasing life expectancy. We talk about the important findings in his paper looking at these premature deaths among midlife adults, what may be driving this trend, and what policymakers could do to reverse this terrible movement. This is Review of Systems, your podcast from the HMS Center for Primary Care, and I'm Audrey Provenzano. Thanks for listening. Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. I was wondering if you could first just introduce yourself to the audience, where you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm a family physician, uh, but also have public health training, and I'm based at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine and uh, am Director Emeritus of a center that I established in 2007 called the Center on Society and Health. And although I began my career doing health services research um, and practicing primary care, in recent years, most of my focus has been on uh, population health or public health and looking at important trends that are affecting the health of Americans and raising awareness about what's driving those trends. Since 2014, we've been seeing this kind of steady decline in life expectancy in the U.S., and in 2015, Sir Angus Deaton and Anne Case, two economists from Princeton, first really catapulted this to public attention in a publication they had in PNAS in which they described these premature deaths as deaths of despair. There's this great kind of public outcry and attention from the press. Tell us about what you were thinking when that came out. Well, and let me first point out about this drop in life expectancy, why that's so alarming, is that uh, for the past century in all industrialized countries, we've been seeing increases in life expectancy. And and the U.S. has historically been a leader on that. Um, but... Uh, the decline in life expectancy that we're now seeing in the U.S. is something uniquely American. Uh, the other countries' life expectancy continues to increase. So it's quite concerning. Having said that, um, it's not new. Uh, this this problem of the U.S. health falling behind other countries uh, began in the 1980s. And uh, the literature has actually been following this for a few years. Uh, the pace of at which our life expectancy has been increasing, began to fall off in the 1980s. And whereas we used to have a higher life expectancy than the OECD countries, you know, the uh, European and, and other uh, high-income democracies, uh, around 1998, we fell below that average, and uh, we've been losing pace ever since. Beginning around 2007, uh, we began seeing studies published in the literature about subgroups in the U.S. population that were experiencing a decrease in life expectancy. So to answer your question, one of the first reactions I had when the case in Deaton paper came out and it uh, sort of blew up in the media, uh, New York Times and other major outlets, 
was uh, what is it about this particular study that captured public attention, uh, whereas you know many previous studies were warning of the of the same problem. Hmm. Nonetheless, I was very gratified to see that it was getting a pickup uh, not only among the media and the public, but also among uh, public officials, because uh, it's it's an urgent problem that needs attention. Why do you think it blew up so much? I I think uh, there's uh, more more generous and more cynical explanations. Uh, <laughs> the more generous explanation is that uh, the alarming rates of increase in these death rates uh, among middle-aged adults were, uh, you know, very uh, gripping uh, statistics to read. Uh, the fact that drug overdoses had reached a point, along with suicides and alcoholism, of uh, driving this trend, I think, was was quite alarming. The more cynical side, which we can come back to, um, is that it was in the white population that this was being reported. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the numbers of deaths, because uh, of the size of the white population in the U.S., and the notion that it has typically been minorities and low-income populations that have been the subject of stories about health disparities, that the this new study featuring a health disparity in whites, uh, I think, uh, drew special attention. The death of despair notion resonated with me at first. I could talk later about why uh, the research community now is less comfortable with that term. But, you know, we have been following in our in our news for many years um, the worsening economic situation for the middle class in America and certainly for low-income populations, the widening income inequality, the difficulty uh, recovering from the recession. So there's a backstory that we're all aware of about what's happening in the country and the you know increasing divide between the rich and poor. So the story that uh, a larger number of uh, people in midlife are reaching points of hopelessness and turning to drugs and alcohol or uh, in desperation committing suicide um, sort of pointed to the possibility that that this had something to do with the nature of life in America right now. Um, so what drew me to, the, to doing fur- further research on this was, first of all, to verify whether this relationship actually holds up under further scrutiny. Uh, there was a fair amount of controversy in the scientific literature about the methods used in the original case in Deaton study, um, and there was a desire to try to confirm their findings using different uh, analytic methods. And, and then, frankly, this premise that uh, that they claimed, and then, frankly, many other papers claimed, that this phenomenon seemed to be happening only among white Americans and was not affecting people of color was uh, peculiar, not only because I spent my career documenting health disparities in populations of color, but also because if the uh, underlying cause is despair, this relatively privileged population should be uh, less impacted than historically marginalized populations that have been dealing with reasons for despair for, in some cases, centuries. So I was curious about all of those uh, questions, and uh, that stimulated our research. Okay. Your publication in 2018 in BMJ entitled Changes in Midlife Death Rates Across Racial and Ethnic Groups in the U.S., Systematic Analysis of Vital Statistics, really added a lot to the extent 
literature looking at this issue. Thank tell you. Us, tell us about, you know, how you did this study. And you mentioned already part of, I think, what you were trying to look at is how, you know, really how this was affecting not just Caucasians, but other racial and ethnic groups in the United States. Yeah, so uh, our approach to this was to try to go back to 30,000-foot view and take a big-picture look at uh, what's happening uh, across age groups um, and not be uh, exclusive to a particular racial or ethnic group, um, but then to drill down and see in which populations this uh, this uh, phenomenon is happening, uh, which age groups, how it's affecting men and women, how it differs by racial and ethnic groups, where in the country this seems to be happening more. And as a physician, I was particularly interested in digging into the causes of death. Um, the ICD-10, the system that we use for coding uh, diagnoses for diseases and causes of death, has a rich set of data that allow us to drill down into very specific disease categories to understand what's really responsible for some of these trends. And prior studies hadn't really done that. They talked in general about heart disease or lung disease, but uh, did not peel back the onion to see which particular forms of heart disease or lung disease or what have you were, were driving this. So uh, we did a systematic analysis of vital statistics going back to the 1990s, 1995 in particular, all the way through 2016, and uh, looked at death rates across age groups. We quickly determined, as others had, that this is a problem concentrated in midlife, which means that our death rates for children, infant mortality, children's mortality, and even uh, early teen mortality have generally been heading in the right direction, uh, continuing to decrease. And older adult mortality in the U.S. has generally kept decreasing. It's, it's the age group in between which we call midlife, but is actually age 25 to 64. So it really includes young adults uh, all the way up through uh, middle-aged Americans. It's in that age span that we're seeing this alarming trend of increasing mortality. So within that age group, we uh, got very detailed and, and looked at how those mortality rates uh, have increased for men and women, uh, by racial and ethnic group, as I said, uh, the influence of geography, rural, urban, and so forth, and then which diseases were driving it. So tell us about your findings. Well, the first thing that we uh, recognized is that the problem is not limited to whites. What actually happened is that this increase in mortality occurred, uh, began occurring in the white population earlier in time than it did among African-Americans and Hispanics. Um, and so early studies were not capturing what turned out to be a delayed increase in mortality for those age groups. Interestingly, though, even when the white mortality rates were climbing, an increase was happening in the Native American mortality rate that was actually larger in relative terms. Obviously, the number of Native Americans is, is much smaller than the size of the white population, but the actual relative increase in the Native American po population was uh, even more alarming than it was in, in the white population. But this got uh, relatively little, little coverage. So we saw that, uh, but then we also saw, uh, as I said, an increase in other uh, populations. Even the Asian population, which generally has better health uh, than even non-Hispanic whites in the U.S., 
experience an increase in these midlife mortality rates. We found that, uh, uh, as we you know know from basic epidemiology, men have higher death rates than women. Uh, so that that generally held true. But the relative increase in mortality from uh, certain causes of death, uh, notably drug overdoses, suicides, and so forth, were, were actually higher among women than men. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. One of the other major findings of our study was that the increase in death rates that was occurring in this age group was not restricted to the so-called deaths of despair. Right. Uh, drug overdoses, alcoholism, suicides clearly uh, were a major factor in, in this trend and are an alarming public health issue. But for the clinicians in the audience, they will be interested to know that the same age group was experiencing increases in death rates from a variety of organ diseases such a diverse spectrum of organ diseases that it's difficult to attribute them to a specific pathogenetic cause. So we saw, for example, uh, during this time period, the period between the 1990s and 2016, major advances and decreases in mortality for the leading causes of death we contend with in primary care, such as heart, ischemic heart disease, cancer, stroke, um, and even in uh, the leading causes of injury, like motor vehicle injuries, death rates fell dramatically and great progress was made. But what happened was that during the same period, mortality rates started increasing for other causes of death. So for example, and this is the benefit of digging into the ICD data more, more granularly, is that while ischemic uh, heart mortality decreased, death rates from heart failure, hypertensive heart disease, valvular heart disease increased. Hmm. There were increases from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, but also from various idiopathic and restrictive airway diseases of the kind that might be caused, for example, by work in coal mines, to, to use an example. And in each body system that we examined, we found particular diseases where mortality rates were, were increasing. The one you mentioned was, was no exception. So when we looked at maternal mortality, we saw an increase in, uh, in maternal mortality rates. Now, you're right. Uh, we have known for many years that there is a wide gap in mortality rates for infants and, and, pre and pregnant women of color compared to the white population. And that gap, in some contexts, is widening. But even the white maternal mortality rate was increasing. The reasons for this increase in maternal mortality are still being debated. There's a, a variety of explanations we can talk about, um, but it's clearly the case that women of color, particularly African-American women, are experiencing a relatively larger increase in this mortality rate than, than our whites. Hmm. So, as you mentioned, you divided the causes of death into 20 categories. It comes as no surprise to the audience the categories with the largest increases were external causes um, such as overdose um, and suicide and digestive disease, which included alcohol-related liver disease, and we're going to come back to that. But I wonder if you, of the other categories, which ones you think did not get the attention in the press that they should have? Well, initially, we were lulled into the hypothesis that all of this was related to this phenomenon of increasing despair. So when we first started to see some of these 
odd increases in mortality rates from specific diseases, while great progress has been made with the major killers, uh, the theory first on our minds is, are these somehow conditions that have some association with, say, unsuccessful suicide attempts or complications from drug overdoses or arrhythmias or valvular heart disease caused by alcoholism? But the further and further we got into uh, this list of diseases, and it actually went beyond 20. 20 was sort of like a uh, the broad categories we rolled up into, but our analysis actually went to hundreds of causes of death. It was a pretty meticulous uh, analysis. And that's how we found, for example, increases in pretty uncommon conditions like paralytic ileus and, and a variety of other uh, problems that might not show up uh, when demographers look very broadly at causes of death. We felt like we were really going out further and further on the limb to keep claiming that all of this was uh, the result of substance abuse and uh, suicides or depression, uh, the the causes you might think of with that package of despair as a, as a causal mechanism. My own perspective on this was very much influenced by my involvement with a study done by the National Research Council and Institute of Medicine that was published in 2013 called uh, Shorter Lives, Poor Health, in which we were charged, this multidisciplinary committee was charged with examining the health of Americans relative to people in 16 other high-income countries. And this was a very extensive two-year analysis of data where we documented, first of all, how extensive this health disadvantage is, and there, too, found that Americans' health relative to their peers in other high-income countries was falling behind in multiple categories uh, across body systems, but also across different classes of injury and, uh, and mental health. And as a result of that project, where we were asked to explain this and delved into a whole set of theories about why the U.S. had fallen behind in so many different domains, the, the hypotheses that we came up in that panel sort of spoke to us when we were seeing this phenomenon with, with midlife mortality rates. And, and namely, what, what we found in that panel is that we could not attribute this decline in U.S. health to any obvious single cause. You could identify a variety of factors in the U.S. that stand out from other countries in multiple domains. So if you looked at healthcare systems, you know, we are the country that doesn't have universal health care. If you look at behaviors, another important driver of health, uh, Americans consume more calories than people in other countries. If you look at socioeconomic conditions, which also affect health, we have greater child poverty and income inequality, and so on. We went through all the different domains and found multiple causes, but it it wasn't as if we could say, well, it's all about obesity or it's all about guns. And frankly, now we can't say that it's all about opioids. The fact is that this broad uh, impact on so many different causes of death really points to an upstream systemic cause in the country that manifests itself in different ways. And for us as clinicians, uh, it appears in our exam rooms in the form of different diseases, but the root cause we think is upstream. Hmm. So do you, have any, do you have any thoughts on that? What should we be thinking about upstream? We started this geographic analysis in the BMJ paper that you mentioned, where we looked at what areas 
geographic areas seem to be experiencing this trend the most. But we also did other studies in five states, California, Minnesota, Kansas, Missouri, and Virginia. So West Coast, Midwest, and East Coast. Those states were chosen, by the way, just because that's where we could get the funding to do it. (laughs) Um, But in each of those states, we did the same analysis, which is to see, first of all, whether this increase in midlife mortality is happening in the state. But then to uh, having documented that in each one of the states, where in the state is it happening? And which, which regions are experiencing the largest relative increase? And what we found pretty consistently was that the areas of the states that were experiencing the biggest increase in these death rates were regions that had struggled for many years with stagnant wages, unemployment, uh, high poverty rates, and uh, sort of being left behind by the economy. So in California, we saw no increase in midlife mortality on the coast, in the coasts, uh, in the big cities like L.A. and the Bay Area, San Diego, and so forth, no sign of this trend. But in the Central Valley, where there's a real problem with poverty rates, in the rural timber counties and in the northern part of the state is where the problem was concentrated. In Missouri, it was in the Ozarks and the Boot Hill region. Uh, in Virginia, it was in the southwest coal fields. Uh, and this pattern is pretty consistent. It doesn't prove causality. This is just an association, but it seems plausible, and we need more research to confirm it, that families and household heads uh, exposed to years of falling behind economically, unable to provide a future for their children that previous generations might have had, and having increasing difficulty with meeting expenses, whether they're housing costs or healthcare costs, after a while, it begins to take a toll. Some of it involves mental health and and turning to substances and behaviors that help relieve stress. But some of it may manifest itself in how well we manage chronic illnesses. So the same household head who is experiencing this uh, these constant setbacks is probably less able to maintain glycemic control for their diabetes or keep appointments uh, to manage their congestive heart failure. And it's not surprising if you follow that theory uh, that we would start seeing increases in death rates from multiple causes because of this sort of upstream issue. The policy significance of this is that it means that the solution to the problem is not to focus all of our attention downstream on the final outcome of these trends. Many of the same politicians who are boasting about the money they're directing toward the opioid crisis are cutting funding for education, for jobs, for um, uh, mixed income housing, uh, and other factors that may actually be playing a a fundamental role in, in causing not only the opioid deaths, but the other causes of death we talked about. Yeah, I have to say this is one part of it that I I don't understand. You know, why policymakers aren't running around with their hair on fire. I mean, truly, I don't see how there could be a more profound failure to govern than for your people to be dying younger. You know, as you point out, we talk about it being midlife, but it's really, it's workforce age. It's Exactly. I just just don't understand. Why aren't there hearings? You hear people talking about income inequality. You know, we have this ongoing dialogue about healthcare policy in the United States, but no one's putting it together and no one's talking about 
the decrease in life expectancy specifically? Yeah, I, I, although I, I will say it's, it's not it's not the case that no one is talking about it in the policy sphere. Uh, we're beginning to see some enlightened public officials getting concerned about this. Uh, even on Capitol Hill, there have been one or two hearings, you know, beginning to pay attention to it. But I That's fully good. agree that it has not gotten the attention it deserves. I think one, again, more generous explanation is a lack of awareness. Uh, it's possible that uh, many of them have not been following this particular news item and aren't aware uh, of this trend. I think there's a prevailing myth uh, among the American public and policymakers that we have the best healthcare system in the world and that Americans mm -hmm. are the healthiest people in the world, even though you know we've had evidence for many years that that's, uh, the, the, this, that's not the case. Um, so it might be lack of awareness and not appreciating that this is happening. Another reflex might be to assume that whatever bad news is being conveyed by these uh, uh, studies that it has something to do with uh, the other population. You know, there's a lot of othering that goes on in our society, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. it becomes a they problem rather than a we problem. But uh, even for people that are uh, uh, insensitive to uh, the impact of health disparities on marginalized populations, uh, and are more concerned, say, with the success of the U.S. economy or, or U.S. businesses, should still be paying attention to this issue because of the very point you made that this age group, 25 to 64, is the workforce. It's the U.S. workforce. And, and our data are basically saying that um, to U.S. employers, your workers are more likely to die prematurely uh, and obviously to be sicker uh, than the workers in the industries in other countries that you're competing against. Um, so your U.S. company is at a is at a competitive disadvantage because of this health trend. So even the uh, people who are uh, not moved by the humanitarian uh, implications of Americans dying before their time uh, should be concerned about how this affects the economy. Even the national security uh, community is beginning to pay attention to this because it has implications mm -hmm. for the military. Uh, and the health of young recruits, as well as uh, officers uh, who are responsible for the nation's defense. So there are now reports beginning to emerge about how this health trend is turning into a national security issue. Uh, so it should be garnering more attention. And, and for me, the most poignant uh, reason for concern are today's children. Um, this data basically means that their parents are going to die, are more likely to die prematurely. And if we don't figure out what's causing it, they are going to age right into that health problem themselves. And today's kids are tomorrow's doctors and tomorrow's school teachers and tomorrow's CEOs. So the implications of not correcting this problem for them have obvious and serious consequences for our next generation. So uh, I agree with you. Uh, it, it, deserves more attention, and that's why I take every opportunity I can to talk about it and was so pleased that you reached out to me. Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Review of Systems, a podcast featuring conversations about the changing healthcare landscape from the Harvard Center for Primary Care. Check our website, primarycare.hms.harvard.edu, to find links to Dr. Wolf's papers and bio, our podcast library, and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app. 
If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. It helps others find the show and share us on social media with your friends and colleagues. A huge thank you to our assistant editor, Parsa Irfani, who makes the show possible. And you can find me at Audrey, MDMPH, and our show at RWS Podcast on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Tweet us feedback and suggestions, or you can email me at rospodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.